Everyone likes talking about the call to follow Jesus, but we start counting lights, and there's no ceiling tiles in here, but we start looking out the windows really quick when we talk about the cost of following Jesus. It's easy to talk about the call, uh, you know, come and follow me, but when we mention there's a, there's a cost involved, that's when people start wondering, oh, what's for dinner, you know? And, and where are we going this afternoon? And, you know, what's, uh, well, you know, you just start to daydream and check out. But you can't have the call of following Jesus without the cost of following Jesus. And we're going to talk a little bit this morning about the cost. When Jesus stood on the shore and invited that first group of fishermen to come and follow me, uh, they didn't just follow, they they left everything. I said, okay. And they, and they left everything. And like, we're going to go with that with him. And we are going to follow him. I've been to Mozambique, Africa a couple of times. And I've met people who are joyfully serving Jesus. People who have left literally everything behind. Not, not locals. I mean people who have gone there to serve who've left everything behind, and they're serving Jesus with great joy, and they wouldn't want it any other way, and they have very, very little to their names, and they, they accepted the call to follow Jesus, and they accepted the cost of following Jesus. Someone asked Billy Graham, who is the greatest Christian uh, alive today? And Dr. Graham thought for a moment and said, you wouldn't know them. They're probably serving somewhere in the deep jungles of Africa in complete obscurity. And you wouldn't know them. Our daughter, Autumn, as you know, was, was in Africa, was in Zambia when the pandemic broke out. And she's told us about the people there serving in this tiny Wesleyan hospital in the bush. Uh, you don't know who they are. They're just there serving joyfully in complete obscurity with uh, sometimes you have electricity, sometimes you don't. The, the nurses all had to come with, with headlamps because you'd be delivering babies and working in the middle of the night with no power. And she mentioned one particular doctor who's there from Japan. And he just left Japan to go serve in, in Zambia. You, you won't know his name. You won't read his books. You won't see his picture. He's just there serving. And it's likely that the cost is likely an obstacle to some people to following Jesus. Like, like what will happen if I follow? Like, then what? Like, what is God going to ask me to give up or stop doing or change or, you know, like all of those, there's probably a little bit of, you know, follow anxiety about that. You know, like, I, I might, but ooh, ah, like, well, you know, what, I, what's he going to, what's he going to do? And um, what will God ask of me or where will God send me? Will God give me the Gene Hudson call? The Gene Hudson call is 
One-way tickets to Africa for you and your wife. And a pat on the back. And literally stepping off the plane, like, where am I and where am I going? Um, yeah, that's the, the Gene Hudson call. Am I going to get one of those? And maybe you've been there. Maybe you've had seasons in your faith where you, were, you knew you were growing closer to Jesus and it freaked you out a little bit. Like you, you were getting, you were coming closer to Jesus and you got a little worried about where is this relationship going? Like I, I like dating Jesus, you know, kind of off and on when it's, when it's convenient, right? But this whole going steady thing, I don't know. Like, am I ready to make a commitment to Jesus? Because, right, maybe you've gotten to that point, like, oh, I, I, I don't know. Like, am I ready for this or, or what? Because I don't want to fight anacondas in Brazil, you know, or go to Bible college or, or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't know. And the, there is good, the good news, there is good news. The good news is that God doesn't ask everyone to go serve in obscurity and poverty in a remote jungle. That's, that's clear and obvious. But he might. <laughs> right? That's also the good news. The good news is that he doesn't. And the good news is that he does. Right? Here am I, Lord. Send somebody else. <laughs> Send so-and-so. You've probably thought of some people that you'd love for God to send. <laughs> Lord, would you just call them into missions? <laughs> send them to Africa. I'll even support them. And you don't get to do a prenuptial with God. You, you, don't, you don't get to negotiate and set the terms of the relationship up front. You really only have one choice, and, and that is... Follow Jesus with full surrender. That's the call. And you have to consider the cost. And I know that you know this. You, you've, you've, we've all heard things like this before. And we, we know that the gold of our faith is, is found in. It's the result of our obedience and our surrender and our, our relationship of walking with Jesus and worshiping Jesus. I mean, that's, that's where our, our joy comes from. It's where our, our peace comes from. It's where we, where we find faith and hope. All those things are found in our, our obedience and our surrender and our trusting Jesus with our lives. We know these things to be true. And we've also found, come on, be honest this morning, you're in church. We've also found that, that when we say no to God and when we, when we change the channel on God, like, where is that remote? And we change the channel, I'm not listening. Or when you hit pause, we know that things go dry in a hurry pretty quick. I've told you about my friend Rick. Um, Rick failed at being a missionary. Rick tried and tried to be a missionary and kept failing. He, he, was, he was terrible at being a missionary. And every time he touched business, he succeeded. And he didn't want money. He wanted to serve. And eventually, God got through to, to Rick and, and told him, Rick, it's okay. I want you to make money, and I want you to give as much of it away as you can possibly give to 
to my work, to missions, because missionaries need supporters. And so Rick listened and God blessed. And um, it's pretty cool. Now, some of you are like me, and by this point of the message, you're trying to read ahead. You're like, where is this going? Right? I'm that way. And some of you are wondering, I bet this is about money. <laughs> no. Yes. Maybe. I bet this is some sneaky way he's going to come around the back, and this is going to be about the building fund or paying off the new church or something like that. No. Yes. Maybe. It's about love. It's about following Jesus at any cost. Can you guess the text or the story? It's Mark chapter 10. And I'm going to read, like bookends, I'm going to read the first verse, and I'm going to read the last verse, and then we're going to come back and read the middle part. Okay? Verse 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Pause there. That's the first bookend. It jumped down to verse 22. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. He comes to Jesus, practically bounces up to Jesus and kneels in front of him, throws himself in front. What must I do? And between that verse and verse 22, his face falls. And he goes away sad, for he has many possessions. He runs up and he kneels down. Do you remember the day, the moment when you ran up to Jesus and knelt down? Do you remember where you were? You knelt down at his offer of grace and love and salvation. You said, Jesus, I'm yours. Take, take my life. Take it all. Take my sin, take it all, it's all yours, I'm yours, I'm in. Have you ever been in a revival meeting or some special service or even a service like today where the Holy Spirit just, just fell in a powerful way and people just like literally couldn't wait to, to come to Jesus and uh, people were, were falling, uh, kneeling and saying, what must I do to be saved? Falling in front of Jesus. Maybe a baptism service. I've been at baptism services where you thought there was, you know, one or two candidates and you ended up with a dozen. Um, we had a baptism service in, in Marysville, Fredericton, one day. I just felt that morning like I needed to fill the tank. Had no candidates. At the end of the service, I said, I just felt this today like I needed to fill the tank. So you don't have a change of clothes, you will get wet. And one of our neighbors stood up and took things out of her pockets and walked up in her clothes. And I think by the time we were done, we baptized about 15 people that day or something like that. Like, it was, it was unbelievable. Um, people were calling, people saying, get here quick. Come, come now. 
down. It was pretty cool. And this, this man recognizes Jesus as the good teacher. And he, you see, he, he, he sees God to a point. It's like, uh, we, could, we, could probably, we could probably date, you know. He, he sees him as a good teacher. And um, at some level, he has an understanding about eternity. There's something after this life. What do I need to do? And we know that we can't, we don't, we can't earn our salvation. We know that grace is free. There's nothing you can do to earn it, but it's not cheap. It costs Jesus his sacrifice on a cross. We know that we, we don't work our way into heaven. That's not what's happening here. The issue is, is lordship. Can I trust Jesus or keep Jesus as Lord of my life? That's, that's the issue, first in every area of my life. So for some reason, he runs up to Jesus, kneels in front of him, acknowledges who Jesus is, asks Jesus this question, but he goes away sad with his head down. And, and we need to be reminded this morning that you, we cannot, you cannot, I cannot come to Jesus on my own terms. I want to follow you, but I'd, I'd like to have it this way, God. Can we do it this way? Here's, here's my agenda over here. And God, if you could just get with my plan and my agenda, and we could do everything my way, I, th I think we could work this out. I, th I think we could have something. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Your, our... our um, our betrothal, our pledge to the Lord, where you stood or knelt at an altar and said, I do, to Jesus, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health, till death do you, not part, till death do you together, Right? And when Matthew tells this story in his gospel, he tells us that the man is rich. And when Luke tells the story in his gospel, he tells us that he was a ruler. And that's why we call the story the rich young ruler. Mark just calls him a man, a dude. Mark doesn't say anything special about him and puts all the focus on Jesus. That's intentional. So now you're wondering what happened in the middle part. Okay, verse 18. Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied. I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Now, this is important. Verse 21. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions. You're rolling your eyes. Like, oh, there it is. I knew it. Was all... I knew it. I knew it. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. 
And he went away sad, for he had many possessions. He's already obeying the commandments. He's already doing those good things. But like you two said on that great album, The Joshua Tree, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Right? He's, he's doing good things, and he's being a good boy, but he still hasn't found what he's looking for. There's an emptiness. There's something missing. Keeping the laws and being a good person just weren't filling his soul. But, 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 but Jesus, I go to church. But, but Jesus, I don't murder anyone. Jesus, look at all my, my gold stars and my good achievements and my good deeds. And the focus of this story isn't on the good that he's already done. It's on that one thing that he can't do. It's not all the things that he can do. It's on that, that one thing that he refuses to do. That's the issue. But, but Jesus, I forgive some people some of the time. But, but Jesus, I'm not as bad as that person. I'm better than them. But Jesus, I feed my cat. And following Jesus is not about a life of good behavior, but a life of full surrender. It's not about a life of good behavior. It's about a life of full surrender. He's, he's wondering about the reward. You know, what must I do to get into heaven? He thinks heaven is the reward. And the reward of salvation is not heaven. It's Jesus. You don't live a good life so that someday I'll get into heaven. You live a fully surrendered life so that every day you walk with Jesus. That's a big difference. And one of them is full of joy, and the other one feels like work. And verse 21 says, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. It's a summer of love. And, and just the Jesus just looking into this, this, this man's heart and his life. And he has genuine love for him. You see, God loves you enough to confront or point out or speak to you about that one issue that's holding you back. Following Jesus isn't multiple choice. It's not like, well, you know, I like, I like this and I like that. And whoop. <laughs> Not so much that. Like, it's not multiple choice. You don't get a gold star for, you know, 5 out of 10 or 6 out of 10 or something like that. It's why we sing, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. We either mean it or we don't. And this is the only time in the book of Mark where we see that phrase, Jesus loved him. It's the only time. Wow. There was no arrogance in the man's approach. There was no pride in his um, record keeping of all the, the good things that he had done. His heart was genuine, or Jesus would, have, Jesus would have pointed it out and said this is a trick or a trap or, you know, would have pointed it out. He wants to follow, but he can't. He wants to take hold of heaven, but he can't let go of earth. 
maybe not. I ain't going to follow Jesus. No, not today. You know? He wants to take hold of heaven, but he can't let go of earth. And this isn't, it's not a sermon about stuff. It's about surrender and the cost of following Jesus. I was last weekend uh, getting ready to speak at family camp on Caton's Island. And Monday morning was a holiday, and it was the final service of the camp. And I was preaching on Joseph from the book of Genesis and how Joseph had every reason to give his brothers revenge. Right? He had them where he wanted them. Uh, But instead of revenge, he gave them forgiveness. Just before the service started, the the worship team is kind of practicing and playing some music, and I'm walking around and praying like I almost always do. And wouldn't you know it, I'm getting ready to preach on forgiveness, and God brings people to my mind that I have not yet forgiven. Great. Great. And I just feel the Lord say, don't get up there and tell them to do what you're not willing to do yourself. Great. So Jesus and I had a little chat. And I named a few names. And we talked about them. And I had to let go of some Crap. Can you say that word in church? Crap. (laughs) Remember, we called that, that series was called Pit Happens. And so I, you know, had had to let go of some of that stuff. Because that's where the freedom is. And, and. So this guy's one thing was stuff and possessions and his money and, and, Last Monday morning, mine was, was forgiveness and grudges. Because Jesus loves you too much to leave you the way you are. Right? He, he's he's, he's going to put his finger on that thing and say, okay, you've, you've done well, but there's, there's this, there's that. Can we talk? Can we go there? Can we talk about that? Because he loves you. He looked at the man with genuine love. Most of us would have said, um, you know, he, he's, I, I, I'd let him go to heaven. He's, you know, he's pretty good. Good person, you know. But Jesus loved him enough to invite him to turn from that, that one area of bondage in his life. And, and it's, Jesus isn't calling him to poverty He's calling him into relationship. There's something, there's a hard lesson in here, and I'm going to say it out loud. One thing can be a big enough issue that it can mess you up. Like you can silo one area of your life and say, well, there's, there's this me that follows Jesus, and then there's that other, you know, It can mess you up. One thing, because Jesus said to him, okay, all right, but there's this one area. Go back and do this. 
Maybe you've put him first in a few areas, but not Lord of all. Lord of some, Lord of a few, he's Lord of a few carefully selected areas of my life. And maybe when he puts his finger on that one thing, you, you turn away, you go away, your head falls because you just, you just can't surrender everything. There's an important detail in this text that Mark mentioned, very important. We read it, it's in the very first part of verse 17, where Mark says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, he's headed to the cross. So here's the savior of the universe. And he knows what he's facing. He knows what's ahead. And he's going there to die on the cross for people like this and people like this. And he's going there to literally give his all. And he invites us to follow him at any cost and to return to him lives of full surrender. He who did not hold anything back for us so that we could follow him in, in freedom kind of puts things in perspective. You think he was on his way to Jerusalem when this guy stopped him and said, mm, I can do this and I can do this, but I can't do, I can't, I can't do that. In the light of the crucifixion, the things of earth grow strangely dim. So let's ask Jesus, Jesus, is there anything holding me back? Is there anything that I need to surrender? Is there anything that I've been kind of partitioning off or avoiding? Because he loves you enough this morning to not leave you as you are. Let's pray.